0: podcast it's I, I'm literally done with them I'm not doing any more podcasts it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports
1: Reno four o'clock hour is here it's Cofield and Company you heard it we're on in Reno for the hour it's brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers 766-1400 Daman you sent that over because we always collaborate uh, before the show on stories we want to talk about I think I missed the joke there uh, Dana White walking off a podcast saying he's done doing podcast with Howie Mandel. That was absolutely a bid, right? Everybody's saying that it's real. What? Did I that w- look real to you? I thought the acting was awful.
2: I would love it if it was real. I want to believe the bid,
1: Steve. You are a wrestling fan. Yes. Has there been some previous Howie Mandel involvement with UFC? Maybe he's a big fan. I don't know. Maybe he was well, so we never excited. Got
2: to it. He was so excited to get his hero Dana White on the show. All right. But then he snubs.
1: Do him. I need to listen? Do I need to listen to more of this podcast? No, I wouldn't do all that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, big four time.
3: Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four.
1: Number four. Hometown hero, Las Vegas. Hometown hero. Dana Wade. I always like to throw that in about our local heroes. Uh, John, your patience. Man, you deserve a cape. You're a hero. I had no idea this was going on. Are we dealing with slow payouts again? There was no outage this weekend, was there? We're dealing with slow payouts again. <laughs> On Super Bowl Fifty Eight props? Yeah, well, it's not even props. So here's the thing: I won't, I won't name said book.
0: I just, I feel like, and I actually, kind of wanted to bring this up in, in a question of, am I being unreasonably impatient? So I finally, it wasn't a prop, Steve. It was my Kansas City future. It took until this morning. Oh, wow. Yeah, this morning, Wednesday, February Fourteenth. The Super Bowl ended on Sunday at about um, what eight p.m. or so to get my money and. It actually took, like, so I I go on the app the next day, realize the money's not there, but they do have a little disclaimer. It's like, hey, could take up to 24 hours to pay out. I'm like, okay, you know what? You got a disclaimer up front, not going to worry about it. Well, 24 hours happen, and I still don't have my money, and I'm like, all right, I'll reach out. So I reach out. They ask for all the, you know, patented information. They said, well, it takes up to 24 hours. Um, If it's not in your account by tomorrow, please let us know. And I was like, okay, all right, that's fine. So it's not my account again. So I reached back out again saying like, hey, just following up here. I still don't have this. And I get the same like, well, it takes 24 hours. And I'm like, it's been over 48. So, and I was just like, and I I was being as polite as you can over text, right? Because it's one of those live chats. And I'm just like, is there an actual timetable here? Are you guys going to kind of delay? There was a long wait. And then they finally got back to me with an essentially like, oh, our bad, it'll be within the next 24 hours. And then finally this morning I got paid out. But I had to go hunt it for that. It's 2024. Am I being unreasonable in being somewhat irked that I had to go hunt this down?
1: What was the pause in the oh, our bad moment? Did that feel like they were like, let's look this guy up. Oh, he saw he's sort of important. No, might about us.
0: I think because I don't want to give it away. People who are betting will kind of understand where, where this place is now. The, the spot did just update the app, and my bet was prior to the update. So it's considered an archived ticket. So maybe there was something uh. lost in translation there on the update. I don't know. But I feel like there's a lot of books that the second something cashes, they pay you out. It shouldn't be like this in 2024.
1: Number three. You know, not everyone should have the freedom to post – on social media uh, and hit send immediately just think a little bit headline in the Daily Mail 49er star Brandon Ayuk's girlfriend paints grim picture of off-season life for NFL Wags after Super Bowl loss quote anger will be taken out on us like, what are you doing sounds pretty tough
2: and this is why the Swifties are afraid of Travis Kelsey now.
0: <laughs> yeah. I I mean, it honestly makes Ayuk look ter- IU look terrible. One of the things she says is, "quote Just took a loss in the Super Bowl. We're going to be dealing with mood swings. A lot of anger may be taken out on us, but you just can't take it personally." That makes Ayuk look awful.
1: <laughs> I mean, what what if you're not around each other when that when that story starts to hit? If you're Ayuk, like do you, you send a text. Like, what are you like? Do you understand what you just inferred? I, dude, it's crazy. You all wonder why we
0: just post us having fun. It's just during the season. Do you know what goes on during the off season? We are put to. Oh work. my god! We are put to work. We are personal assistants. That's why we enjoy ourselves while we can.
1: Wow, th- this goes even deeper. How hellacious is life for this lady?
0: I mean, here's... Okay. It obviously makes Ayuk look like a terrible human being. Like, he's just coming home, berating her, screaming at her, where's my dinner? You know, like all sorts of stuff, right? But I'll say this. If Isabel called me right now and told me, I just got a job making millions of dollars, Steve, I'd walk out this door and leave you without a co-host. I would love to be your personal assistant.
1: Uh, if, if it was like what she's describing. I mean, that's just another day at the office. Okay. It's (laughs) it's the norm. Now we're just rich. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's just
0: every, that's just Wednesday, but now it's coming with millions of dollars. Let's go.
1: Uh, terrorizing your wife. Good material, John. Nice job there. Number two. No, I'm the terrorized one in that situation.
3: (laughs) Number two.
1: Boy, Damon is really worked up about the Knicks and the Rockets and the controversy. All right, Damon, what do we got here uh, with this protest and what happened?
2: Well, the Knicks are protesting the uh, ending of their game against the Rockets a few nights ago in Houston, where Jalen Brunson was incorrectly called for a foul on a three point shooter, and that resulted in them losing 105 to 103. I want to see a protest won by a team because in the official pool that you know the officials have hey come ask some questions after the game they did say it was incorrectly called so they they admitted fault they said my bad so the fact that you have them that's our smoking gun right there they said my bad so i think that they should win this protest
0: there is no chance in hell they're winning this protest
2: <laughs> you know the
0: standard it would set so you know you know what the last you know you're familiar with the last two minute report right yeah so the last two minute report for maybe those who aren't it is the last two minutes that are requested. You can go through every foul call. The NBA will review them. It will tell you whether or not it is correct. There are plenty of last two-minute reports that say that foul should not have been called. So but so if if you allow the Knicks to win this protest, that means you have now set the precedent that going forward, every incorrect call can now be protested, and every incorrect call should now deem a winning protest. And every
2: of one of those games... Should then be replayed from those moments on. But I feel like this is special circumstance because it's the end of the game. Just let him go back and play five more minutes in a couple of weeks. Alright, so what's the threshold? Wow. Last play of the game. I mean, like that's <laughs> no.
0: It's not gonna happen. Three throws on a Hail
2: Mary three. It sets I think too dangerous.
0: It sets too dangerous of a precedent. You can't do it. Bobby Marks tweeted that out the other day, and everybody was like, What are you talking about? Man, it was wrong. Like, no, he's 100 percent right. Because the second you allow this to happen, every single protest, you're going to have to call it. There's no way you can do it.
3: Number one.
1: You know, you knew this would happen with Dr. Dre. So good. Draymond Green. He and Nurkic go at it the other night, and now we got a back and forth, and he is just full Draymond Green again. (laughs) He's not changed. The penalty did nothing. Uh, Listen to Draymond god this this podcast is a bane of my existence i (laughs) knew i don't even get how people listen to this fire this
2: i watched that same little guy play against someone not long before us and they shot a three and he stood under the rim and waved at him and got the rebound you see clowns like that do things like that and it's actually very disrespectful to the game it's disrespectful to the player that you're doing it to and
1: Yeah, I just – I don't want to hear from this guy anymore. I don't understand why he's back. He hasn't changed. He tried to choke out one player, followed it up later in the season with a spinning front fist, and he's back in full force as the normal Dr. Dre, master of kinesiology, Draymond Green.
0: That is – what's not disrespectful, disguising an assault (laughs) as as a flagrant foul, (laughs) putting a guy in a headlock, not disrespectful. He even called Nurkic cowardly. I was like, I feel like – pretending to foul somebody so you could smack them in the face. I feel like that's kind of cowardly, especially when yep. you know in the flow of a game, they're not going to let you guys go at it. You know that it's going to get broken up. You know that those two things are going to get separated and you're just going to get carted off and carried out. You're going to be able to, you know, do your thing when you leave. You're right. And I'll say this. I, I go back to what we originally talked about, Steve, because he's back to being full on Draymond. And by the way, you know, it's even more annoying. I hate to tell you this. He's been awesome. He's been so good. He's been so good on the court. It's ridiculous. But in the postseason, like if Phoenix gets a series with them, how in the world are you not baiting him every chance you get? Because he will clearly bite. He'll bite at some point. And maybe he'll literally bite. Who knows? <laughs> but he will. He will bite. And you'll be able to goad to him into doing something. And he'll get kicked out. And the precedent's already been set that he's going to get suspended. I don't know how every single opponent is not trying to do this to him.
1: Damal, what were you thinking when you watched the comments?
2: That Nurkic has to fight him next time they play. <laughs> Nurkic, he's got to do something for him to say, oh, it's disrespectful that he waved off someone that's shooting a three and got the rebound. The way he's calling them little buddy, and the fact that this is the person that he punched in the face. Wait, so I didn't understand that clip. So Draymond was mad because Nurkic was
0: playing off of him and waved him off when he took a three? He said Nurkic did that to someone else. Draymond did it last year! He's done it like multiple times! I didn't know that's what he was complaining yes, so about.
2: He's getting on Nurkic for dis- That's the they person that he's saying to- disrespectful the game.
0: He did that to Dylan Brooks when they played Memphis? He mockingly
2: played like 10 feet off of him and let him shoot? That's awesome. So <laughs> he punched him in the face. He's saying that he's disrespecting the game. Nurkic has to stand up for himself in person, not on Twitter. Don't say, hey, bro, go to therapy. It's That's a funny little tweet. But you got to do something about this man disrespecting you constantly now.
1: That's awesome, dude. <laughs> uh, we used to say it on uh, the old Steve and the Sports Pig Show. And when I say we, I mean the Sports Pig. He would say it all the time. Righteous indignation from someone completely and totally in the wrong. Draymond is always outraged now, (laughs) and he thinks we buy this nonsense. It is so silly. And then, John, I don't know if you saw this, but Draymond Green is going to be part of a Manning cast-like broadcast with Barkley around the All-Star game. What is Adam Silver doing? How do you even allow this to happen? Draymond Green is being rewarded now. Well, he's changed. After all that's gone down this season. Yeah, he's changed. He's big, he's a
0: bigger man. He's 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 faced his himself. He's faced his darkest demons, and he overcame them. Do you think anybody like wakes up and is like, "Yes, new episode of the Draymond Green podcast"?
1: <laughs> I mean, it's still on, so I'm sure he signed a a, a decent deal and it's long term. But does it do monster numbers? I have to look at, especially, I think it's solo,
0: like, most of the time, Man, right? He's just talking crap so just about like, everybody so he's else. He's just, like, bloviating into a mic for, like, 30, 45 minutes. It's got to be so bad.
1: Our Reno hours presented by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 766-1400 is a call from anywhere in the state of Nevada offices in Reno and Henderson, downtown Las Vegas, and Las Vegas. Remember, if you're in the north, 766-1400, but you got to dial 775.
3: It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno.
1: All right, well, times right now in the Mountain West Conference, uh, men's basketball side. The balance in this conference is just crazy. And you saw it play out last night. Now, while the pack didn't come out with a win, remember, uh, you know, they lose in this one in a nip and tuck game. It was just a couple weeks ago they lost by 34 against New Mexico. So, on a lot of these nights, you have no idea what's going to happen, the matchups, who's hot, who's not. Shannon Kelly's in with us from Nevada Sports now with JVT and Cofield Endemont. How are you?
4: Hey, guys. I'm doing good. Doing good. Recovering from Super Bowl week.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely want to get to Super Bowl in a couple of minutes, but tell me what the atmosphere was like last night at Lawler and your take on what happened down the stretch because uh, Steve Alford's teams simply don't lose at home
4: yeah it was pretty crazy to see you know Lawler event center uh a good crowd again i'm actually still in las vegas so i wasn't in person for that game but watched every second ah. of it on tv um but it was crazy just to see it really as you said i mean you lose by more than you know 30 points at new mexico a couple you know a couple weeks prior and then to be able to come out and uh they were actually a favorite in this game and to lose by just one point but i mean in that game nevada really didn't even play its best basketball i mean they were down by double digits at multiple points uh, they were out rebounded they lost the second chance battle i mean you look at all of those things but for them to be able to make it so close there um and have a shot at the end you know just shows how how they didn't give up really given uh you know the uh, Performance the week before, two big wins against Utah State and San Diego State.
0: Shannon, since that three game losing streak they had, they've now won four out of six and they've got some impressive wins. What changed, if anything?
4: I think just them locking in more and knowing that they have to rebound more. When they get to the free throw line, they have to take advantage of those opportunities. And, you know, we saw, you know, they handed Utah State's first loss of the season at home. I mean, they knew that was going to be a hostile environment and they were able to rise to the challenge. And when Keenan Blackshear and Jared Lucas are on, when they have their A game, they're stellar. They really can't be stopped. But when one of them isn't necessarily firing on all cylinders, then it makes things, you know, easier for the other teams to take advantage.
2: Shannon, I do want to ask because I want to live vicariously through everyone who was able to cover the Super Bowl. What was the best part of the experience for you?
4: The best part of the experience, man, I think the game itself, I think everything leading up to it was awesome. You know, just, you know, checking out Radio Row, going to the media availabilities, opening night. But uh, I felt like kind of being at the game was just like a dream. Like, was this actually happening in real life, witnessing the Super Bowl live? I mean, that's not something uh, many reporters and people get to say that they've done before. So I think actually just watching the game itself and you know really it was one for the ages to think that it's only the second overtime ever in Super Bowl history that happened here it's pretty crazy
0: this is going to come across as somebody who's extremely privileged because I have the opportunity to do it however I'm going to say it I wanted no part of going to that game Shannon I wanted to go to a party (laughs) I wanted to have drinks I wanted to hang out with friends you really wanted to go I felt like it would be a nightmare being there live.
4: Uh, I mean, I'll be honest, it was a really crazy day. <laughs> just even getting there was crazy. I felt like it took hours just to get there by the time we had parked and taken the shuttle over and by the time we got out of there and, you know, got minimal sleep uh, after doing evening live shots and early morning live shots on Monday morning. So, um, yeah, it was it was uh, pretty crazy. But, yeah, it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience right hopefully the super bowl will be back in vegas hopefully sooner than we think
1: getting our reno report is shannon kelly from nevada sportsnet is up with us here on cofield and company there were a lot of former uh nevada football players and uh northern nevada uh, natives who were at the super bowl you got a ton of interviews what was your favorite interview that you got i mean i saw the one with nate burleson
4: yeah, honestly that was my favorite one. Just to be able to chat with him. His second son, Nehemiah, had just signed with the Wolfpack last week as well. So he'll be joining Nate the second on the Wolfpacks roster this fall. But just to be able to talk with him and, you know, to see this opportunity for Nate Burleson as well. I mean, to be able to be a part of Nickelodeon's first ever uh telecast of the Super Bowl and you know, he was, I don't really think he even slept much. He said he had a schedule nap last week because he was doing a CBS morning show, NFL duties. I, I mean, he said this is the first Super Bowl. He didn't go to any parties or do anything, really, because he was just so busy working uh, this whole time. But it was really cool to see cause him and his wife, Atoya, they have so many uh, special memories having met at the university and both being uh, former standout athletes for the Wolfpack.
2: Since you were there, how was the halftime performance in stadium?
4: In stadium, I thought it was great. I think a lot of people said it wasn't great on TV, uh, but I thought it was great. I, I thought Usher put on a, a, quite a show. It felt like it was just like a concert that stepped foot in the middle of a football game, which was kind of wild to see. But I thought he did a great job. But uh, that wasn't really the consensus from what I've heard from folks watching at home.
2: So give us the rating, 1 out of 10. I went 9.
4: Uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm going to go maybe eight or nine, I think. I love the little light show that they had, those little, like, necklace things that just lit up. I think that made it all, all much better. Um, Yeah, I'll go with, like, an eight. Let's go with that. Close I'll go, enough. I'll go nine. seven
0: and a half. Um, docked off <laughs> another quarter point because Alicia Keys opened up with that uh, brutal note. I would have never done that. I would have been ready to go <laughs> oh, immediately. My God. So, yeah, like probably like so a seven, 7.25 is probably what I would give it.
1: The brutal note. Um, go around the room. Who can? I know. <laughs> well, you know what? How about this? How about an appreciation for singing live? because so, so many don't do it. Uh,
0: you get paid for it. Come exactly. on, exactly. Let's
1: go. Wow, tough standards from John. Uh, Go around the room. We'll start with Shannon. Uh, who amongst us can put on roller skates with the four wheels, not the blades, Ooh. and actually <laughs> skate decently? Can you do it, Shannon?
4: Oh, man, no. I I cannot. I've had uh, a bad time at like Crystal Palace growing up. So, no, I, I cannot do it. But, Steve, I'm going to go with you. I think you're my winner here Ooh. on this one.
1: Um, I, I like that. I appreciate that. Damon, can you skate? I can not skate, Steve. Yep, I figured. <laughs> JVT? Uh,
0: blades, not two-by-twos.
1: I... The only time i put blades on it was twice i fell one of the times in central park and i I think i was concussed so i'm out i'm out on that um now i'm glad shannon recognized just how old i am because that's my generation although uh, usher's not old uh i don't know if i could do it i think i could get the swing of it again but uh i was quite the cool kid at 13 uh picking up the ladies uh singing culture club it was a good time I don't expect a reaction on that one. Yeah, I don't even know what culture. Anyone, club, I don't even everyone, know what culture everyone, club is. I don't know what that is. Everyone on the show is like, I don't know what culture club is. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, I got I gotta get some advice from Shannon. Style and restaurant advice. Shannon Kelly's with us from Nevada Sportsnet. So I'm in Fresno. UNLV's taking on Fresno. It's the only place where I will go to an IHOP. I don't think IHOP's a backer of Nevada Sportsnet. So I want you to be honest here. Is IHOP good? <laughs>
4: I'm going to go with IHOP is not good. I would grow up Ooh. going there, but I'm not a fan of IHOP. I just, I don't know what it is, but I can't. I can't do IHOP or Denny's either. I'm not a fan. Um, I, mean, I, think that, yeah. I think they have
1: the Grand Slam back at Denny's for 7 bucks.
4: I know. I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures. Like, if somebody put it in front of me and I was starving, I'm sure I would eat it. But not my go-to place. When you're in Fresno, you've got to go to the Doghouse Grove.
1: Uh, I know. I have stories about the doghouse. I can tell later. Um, I, I, I think uh, my my first trip there was affected by some uh, lousy people that I went to the meal with. Were they playing Culture Club? Another that we will have a big problem. Say it again. John? So were they playing Culture Club or whatever the hell you just said? Uh, they might have been. Yeah, they <laughs> might have been. You don't you don't you don't know who Boy George is?
0: That name sounds familiar, but I don't. If you played me oh. something, I don't know if I'd be able to tell you. That's Boy wow. George.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so my breakfast this morning was actually it was a uh, two by two by two. It was two pancakes, a couple scrambled eggs, and a couple pieces of bacon, coffee, and I got out the door for I think with tax twelve forty seven. That's mm-hmm. unheard of in this era. Unheard of, Shannon.
4: That is pretty unheard of. That's a deal. Yeah.
1: That's
0: also unheard of. Good food at IHOP.
4: <laughs> also unheard of as
1: well. Our our Reno <laughs> hour breaking IHop. news is brought is brought to you by IHOP. Um, okay, I'll mention a couple of things. in In Vegas and Reno, you you don't have to go to chain restaurants for breakfast because we have a ton of good breakfast places, will you recommend Two Chicks, which I believe is off of Virginia, or Pine Street?
4: Uh, I'm going to go with Two Chicks. I feel like you just have more variety. Pine Street, eh, you really got to be in the mood for biscuits, I feel like. It's good, but um, I'm going to go with Two Chicks on this one.
1: All right. I'm going to go with Two Chicks as well because they also have boozy options, which I think is wonderful. That's true. If I remember very good thick cut bacon. I don't have an issue with Pine Street, but I will tell you, this is for the Reno people. I don't like their seating approach. Do you know how they see people?
4: Yeah, it's a little it's different.
1: Yep, just say it, it sucks.
4: I know, it's different. I haven't been there in quite a long time. Um but it was I mean the food was good.
1: So I think it looks awesome.
4: awesome. But yeah, it was yep. just eh. I feel like you really got to be in the mood for
0: it. Do you have to like fight somebody for your seat? Like what's going on?
4: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and yeah. be willing to wait. So if you're hungry, not a good, uh, probably not a you good choice. You have to get your food
1: before you sit down. So you walk in, there's empty tables, but what? then if someone else races to the table, you don't get a seat. So I've actually never had the food there because I've tried three times and I'm like, this is a mis- <laughs> just, just get, just get a freaking host or hostess and a list. And we can be organized. I don't want to have to freaking sprint to my table when I get the food to only be shut out. Sounds like anarchy. I kind of like is it. anarchy. You do like it. Well, you're the youngest one and the fastest one, and uh, you can drop kick someone with your wrestling <laughs> background. So, all right, Shannon. We will talk to you soon. Uh, we have the big game coming up at Thomas and Mack. Are you staying in town for the uh, matchup between the Pack and the Rebels? I
4: am. Yeah, I'm staying right. in town for this one. Uh, yeah, should be a good one. It all kind of. Tied together well as much as I wanted to be back for that New Mexico game last night to see it live. It just kind of worked out better to, to hang down here for a few days.
1: Excellent. We'll see you out of the Thomas and Mac on Saturday.
4: Hey, sounds good. Thanks, guys.
1: There she is, Shannon Kelly from Nevada Sportsnet.
3: It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno.
1: That was a good solution during the break that DeMond suggested about the uh, place we were talking about. I almost never – if we speak badly about restaurants, and I almost never do, I almost never mention the names. So uh, we were just talking about getting breakfast and what you can get for kind of cheap and then uh, places that maybe aren't doing it the right way. Um, So we are talking about a joint in Reno where you have to order your food first, then you can go get a table. And uh, I guess if you uh, get your food and there's no tables, you're SOL. So DeMond said – Why not just get the smallest thing possible that doesn't need preparation and grab a table? Genius. Right? The first person goes, you grab something small, you grab the table.
0: Yeah, I mean, does drinks count? So, like, if you just get a coffee, would you be in trouble? Like, if you got food. I don't know, man.
1: And I'll –
0: yeah. If you got food and then got a coffee with it – so then you're like, you know, you sit down with your coffee while you wait for your food. Would they kick you out?
1: Possibly. You want me to test it? Yes. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'll tell you what What really irked me on that experience is I was excited to eat there. I leave. We find a random place, and it was like uh, wheatgrass for breakfast. I'm like, uh, great. I'm like I left the place I wanted to go to, which was going to be a hearty meal, and then I go over to this place, and all they have are healthy options. I'm out.
0: Oh yeah, that sucks. It's yep. it's not a place where you can get a coffee with a loaded baked potato and
1: like I don't know not for breakfast, breakfast chicken nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John, you want to tell him that story?
0: Uh, this is actually it's uh, well, it's not fitting, no, because it was in New New Mexico, right? It wasn't Fresno, um, correct. I think it was last year or the year before, uh, his pregame meal was a loaded baked potato with brisket and a coffee with uh, Coffee Mate Creamer before he went (laughs) and pounded the sidelines for New Mexico. Mexico, But
1: also, you haven't been to to the pit yet. You have to understand what the pit is like. Everybody
2: says the crowd's on top of you.
0: Well, it's not even that. Apparently, it's got some deep ramps, right? So, like, to get down to the floor (laughs) and to get back up, you're like power walking up some steep ramps. So How got, bad were
2: you on, sweating by this. the time the game started?
1: <laughs> uh, like I say all the time, I have an iron stomach, so most doesn't, most things don't affect me. But that was such a big – because it wasn't just a, like a small baked potato. It, it's these like toxic, gigantic potatoes that are like a foot and a half long. With a coffee, it was just an absolute gut bomb.
2: Why would you have won – oh, that's gross. I don't know. Even if you had the most iron stomach – Coffee and a baked potato in brisket? <laughs> <laughs> I'm disgusted.
1: I love coffee.
0: Trying to find <laughs> a picture. I got to to see if I can find a picture. <laughs> oh, that's right.
1: I did tweet out the picture. Yeah, there's at uh, uh, the pit because it's, it's aptly named. It is dug into the ground, and the ramp going up, there's only one ramp going up, is really steep. Because there have been a couple times, DeMond, when you have to run like three quarters up that ramp, and the coach is running up with you. Like, there was a few times where I talked to Marvin Menzies and we're both like. (sighs) (sighs) Didn't sound creepy at all.
2: (laughs) At that point, especially with you in the stomach. Yeah. Did you have to take a break from the broadcast at any point?
1: Uh, No, it was good. Yeah, I just I just sat there sweating up on top of the just letting it rip on people. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I would never do that on people.
0: I'm pretty sure, I'm going to say this, I'm I'm pretty sure at the
1: nice media event
0: I went to, uh, put on by my employers over at DraftKings, one of the more well-known employees might have walked by the group that I was talking to and crop-dusted us. No way. I'm like 95% sure. <laughs> I'm accusing uh, you, I don't, Michael. I, like, I mean, it. sorry. Oh really? I think senior, so. or junior? <laughs> senior, I think so. Older,
1: old, older, young. Well,
0: senior. You know what I'll just oh, say? No yeah, way. I think Mike Golick senior crop dusted me. I think so. I'll accuse him.
1: Golick senior farted on a group of you guys.
0: I think so. He left in a hurry wow. and he came back. And as he walked away, it stunk. So I'm just throwing so you it a out. A smile on his face when
1: he came back. <laughs> like, you, get, you get a whiff of that, guys? <laughs> That's what right, success smells down. like. <laughs> I'm going to do a little fight talk on the way back. Steve Kim is up on Cofield & Company.
0: Steve Kim, the host of the Three
3: Knockdown Rule, joins Cofield & Company, presented by Snack Nutrition.
1: Steve Kim is in on a Wednesday JVT. is Cofield & Company, on ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. All right, Steve, we got a little boxing uh, coming out of the gates here. It got a little bit buried in Vegas, but there was... I mean, in theory, a big fight last week. So give me your read on uh, Teofimo Lopez and what comes out of that fight.
3: Well, not much. Uh, as I like to say, I thought he <laughs> lost in winning. Uh, you know, personally, I do think he won the fight because I just don't see how you reward what Jermaine Ortiz did. Uh, this is not amateur boxing. As Larry Merchant likes to tell me, there's a reason why he calls it professional Price fighting, but in terms of the public's perception of Teofimo Lopez as an elite fighter, you know, you saw what happened, I think, yesterday or today. Ring Magazine dropped him from their top 10 pound-for-pound pound, uh, because okay. of the nature of that performance. And there's a real issue. Teofimo's talented, but he's awfully inconsistent. And in my view, if you are truly one of the elite fighters... There has to be some sort of level of, of a consistent high-level performances that we don't see.
1: I heard the crowd was actually pretty decent. What would you hear? No, it was about 6,000. And look, okay.
3: um, it wasn't a terrible crowd, but was it overflow? No. But, you know, a lot of these dates, like specifically this past Thursday and then Shakur Stevenson in November, these Thursday night cards, are kind of done at the behest of the network, and in this case, ESPN, which wants to wrap it around certain sporting events, whether it's the F1 in Las Vegas or the Super Bowl this past weekend. So, you know, a lot of times, look, people don't like to go to casinos from other parts of the country on a weekday. They generally like to go on a weekend. Boxing fans have a certain habit of when they view the sport. But I'll be honest with you, I just came out of that event thinking, did Teofimo Lopez help his cause as an attraction and as a draw? And I think the flat-out answer is no, he did not.
1: Yeah, it's funny. We sat down with Leonard Ellerby and uh, Raleigh Romero a couple of days before that, and Ellerby was kind of mocking on the Lopez fight, uh, suggesting that there were no tickets sold and that the attendance was going to be horrible.
3: Yeah, but at the same time, Leonard, when he had Rolly Romero fight, uh, that older guy, several what back in May, They fought in a ballroom. I I mean, he fought in a ballroom whose capacity is probably three or four times smaller than the audience at the Mandalay Bay. So what do they say about glass houses?
1: Did we – yeah, I know. Uh, Did we (laughs) – I I was kind of looking at him as he was making the comment. I'm like, well, this is boxing. This is promotion. So if we want to poke fun at each other, I guess go ahead. Um, I saw news about Canelo this week about – his fights in Mexico. What was he saying about making sure that the fans there can always get him for free? Well, I don't know if people realize
3: this, but a lot of the big fights across the world that we have to pay pay per view for, many other countries just show them for free over terrestrial television networks. And Tiafimo, uh, excuse me, Canelo Alvarez for years has been aligned with TV Azteca, one of the major networks. Out there in that country, and all his fights have been shown broadcast over the air for free. They're really, there's countries that actually don't do pay per view, and Mexico is basically one of them. And I thought it was interesting that he made a point to say, "No, no, no, my fights are going to remain for free for the people." Now there was a lot of talk going in uh, into Tuesday morning and afternoon about what exactly what he was going to announce. Outside of that, there really wasn't a lot announced. There wasn't much about his future opponent, whether he's going to fight really on May 4th and who he's going to fight. He gave this vague answer about, I'm going to fight an American fighter. So I, don't, I think there's a lot of conjecture out there until something is announced. And I'm, I'm out of the news-breaking business, guys, because quite frankly, I don't find it fun and I'm lazy now. So I'm just going to wait like everyone else for the news.
1: Steve Kim is with us. He is the Korean Karajan, Daman JVT. Daman, fire away.
2: There's no way that this is going to be Jamal Charlo, right?
1: Oh, I hope
3: not. I think that fight's a complete dog. Complete loser. Complete dud. Complete bust. But outside of that, I really like it. But <laughs> I, I would hope it's not Charlo, who has won, I believe, one fight in about two and a half, three years. He didn't necessarily overwhelm me against, um, Jose Benavides back in November, which was his first first fight in about 24, 25 months, if I'm not mistaken. And it'd be another Charlo moving up in weight. I'll be honest with you, fellas. I don't care who it is. If it's Crawford, I get it. I would pass on that one. I would sign off. In other words, I like that fight. Jaime Munguia would be very exciting, if not one excited. I would sign off on that fight. They... um. David Benavides, absolutely love it. That would get the highest uh, endorsement from me. But I believe just gauging the temperature of what I've seen on social media and online, that would be an absolute dud. That would fall flat like dead fish out of water if you did Jermel Charlo.
2: Devin Haney and Ryan Garcia, that fight's beneficial. They got into a bit of a shoving match on Radio Row. Are you buying into the hype for this fight? Uh, look, it's a big fight,
3: it'll do business. But Ryan Garcia has proven that he's very good before a fight and promoting it and then making excuses after it. And I, I would hope that what happened on Radio Row last Friday is, is not the only aggression that he'll show uh, Devin Haney this year. But I have my doubts about how competitive this fight's going to actually be. I just, it's just, again, I could be completely wrong and maybe a left hook lightning bolt comes out of nowhere. But I think Devin Henney wins this fight quite handily. I don't know if he knocks him out, but I think he wins right around 9-3, 10-2. He looked like a much different, sturdier fighter at 140 against Regis Pro Gray back in December.
1: Steve Kim on Cofield & Company. His spot is presented by Snack Nutrition. All right, to the Super Bowl. Uh, first of all, I played the audio of you and Whitlock talking about the out-of-control, disrespectful Travis Kelsey um, you were laughing as Whitlock presented that. He can't be serious, right? Oh, he's serious. I, I mean, he's more <laughs> of an old-school
3: guy. But, okay. you know, look, I don't think a lot of players should be running into their coaches like that, but he does have the all-pro privilege. I don't take these things all too seriously. I, I Look, okay. if that was, if that was uh, Christian Watson, he'd probably be on the bench. Since it's uh, Travis Kelsey, he takes over the second half. That's the way it works. And so it is what it is. They won the game, so the narrative is not going to be pushed out of an out-of-control player. But, uh, you know, players are going to get away with what they can, and coaches will handle it accordingly. And it is hard to really knock the recent track record of uh, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs.
0: Steve, don't you think it's a little unfair, though? Like, I mean, nowadays, players are too soft. They don't really care enough. And then we get a guy get fired up because he cares a lot, and it's like, ah, these guys, they're out of control nowadays.
3: Yeah, but that's a straw man argument. Uh, I don't – you can care about it and act the right way uh, and still be respectful of your coach. You know, that's – thats you know, like, to me, I think that there is a middle ground that we never had an issue with before. I mean, I look, do I think that – Players, coaches are more or less what's going to be in now, yes. And do I think guys like Belichick are going to have a hard time gaining footing in this modern culture? Uh, probably. But at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean that players of any stature should be given license to do what Kelsey did. Look, I don't think of it that big of a deal. If Andy Reid didn't think of it that big of a deal and he's running the show, Okay by me. I really don't care either way. if this is just a game. Not, nothing's really important happening out there. But I I do think that in general that there should be a little bit of authority that should be given some respect.
1: Steve Kim. Up on Twitter at Steve Kim323. I saw your boy uh JB, Coach J B from Last Chance U, and a Super Bowl party. I gotta tell you at the beginning of the video. I'm watching, he's he's walking, I'm like, man, I don't like the TV setup. And then he started going inside. I gotta give him credit, man. That was for me, because you gotta have a lot of viewing options and a lot of rooms. That was a good setup. It was. It's a very good setup. It's indoor,
3: outdoor. He has a theater room, um, and then he has the bar lounge that that's generally where I hang out. And there's that there's a, there's a lot of sets out there. He had a great setup, had a taco bar going, he had a couple bartenders going. Um, But, you The football Palooza was a very successful venture in 2023, and I don't really really watch all that XFL stuff. So, you know, we'll reconvene in about, what, seven and a half, eight months.
1: Nice. Uh, Steve, I made a reference earlier in this show. I do it at least once a show where both DeMond and JVT look at me, and they're like, no idea, old dude. That's the 80s, that's 70s, don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Early in the show, I made a reference to Culture Club, and they were just stone-faced. Uh, You were talking about Usher and the halftime party, and you made one of the great references that only Super Bowl hardcores like over 45 would know about. You said up with people better than Usher.
3: (laughs) Well, up with (laughs) people is actually uh, even a little bit before my time, but I knew of it because they used to spoof Up with people, for those who don't know, used to be the in-house, basically the in-house Super Bowl halftime show, and it would be this big crew or circus full of people that would dance, and they'd have these uh, uh, big paper signs, and they'd do all these routines, but it was very, very safe. And there used to be a time the halftime show really was not a big deal. I I mean, I don't know about you, Steve, but with the first halftime show that I really recall that was a big deal was Michael Jackson at the Rose Bowl when the Cowboys played the Bills in January of 1993. And it was at that point the NFL had to ramp it up because the halftime shows were so boring that there was a show called In Living Color that was on Fox in the late '80s, early '90s. It was like the um, it was another version of Saturday Night Live. It was it was a skit show, and they basically said in 1991, we're going to do our own halftime show, and it was a very risque show, very very funny humor. Uh, It was men on football. And at that point, the NFL actually said, well, wait a minute, we're losing an audience here for about a half hour during our most important game. And that's when at that point the halftime show really became showbiz to them.
1: All right, let's close on this, Steve, Kim. I saw a very interesting retweet you sent out. I don't entirely understand the story. It appeared to be a male high jumper winning a girls' high school state title in New Hampshire and Martina Navratilova was pissed. Yeah, I think she. I mean, I think she is saying. I think she's been pretty consistent that
3: women should compete with women, and men should compete with men. Um, and somehow, in our culture, in our world today, uh, people are outraged or questioning that. And a lot of the media members don't have the guts to just state the obvious, and a lot of athletes don't either. What a world we live in.
1: Yeah, I don't have kids, uh, and I certainly don't have daughters because I don't have kids. But if my daughter was in that competition against that fella, I, I'd have, I'd be complaining. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be, I'd be uncomfortable with that. I'd be annoyed. Yeah, I mean, look, it, I just think when in one of these days
3: there's gonna be a serious injury, and I think it's happened in other sports like volleyball where. Someone slams a ball at an unnatural velocity and runs into the ball, runs into someone's face. And look, we're asking for problems. And and when common sense is no longer accepted, we are now sliding down a slippery slope in society.
1: Steve, I got 15 seconds. I know you uh, laid down the three knockdown rule with Mario Lopez. What was the high point? Uh, The high
3: point was basically us having a lot of fun with Teofima Lopez and his bizarre post-fight speech. He's now the Plato of prize-fighting, the Socrates of the sweet science, the <laughs> Sun Tzu of boxing. He's a philo- he waxes philosophically, Cofield. It's bizarre but wildly entertaining.
1: Thanks, Dave. We'll see you. All right, guys. Thank you.